Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Evan. Sorry, I don't know what I was so excited about for there. Um, I think it's just because I started. It's just watch the flyer. It is that. And also, I announced I was starting before I was ready. Then I got excited in shock at my own announcement. This is what happens when I quit drinking. Fucking hell. Good luck, everyone. I think you're giving it tits and teeth, and that's what I like to see. You've you've come into this like uh, I don't know Bonnie Langford. You've you've just brought the energy up. <laughs> I've never been likened to Bonnie Langford before, oddly enough. But I, I well, this was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, as Chris alluded to, we are here for the second of Adam's birthday choices. Uh, we are here for the fly again. This is the 1986 remake. I really uh, like Adam's so, birthdays. I so think that is how we, that's how remakes should be, just, they, should, they should be again. Yeah. So it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. That, just, just to take that, I mean, not in this cut, not in this circumstance, certainly, but just to take that sheen off that usually comes with a remake. Yes, yes, so, I agree. Just so you immediately yeah. are like, I'm reminding you that what you've done is a bit of a shit version of something that came previously. <laughs> yeah. You know. Ooh, and it, ooh. It's, getting controversial it's also, already. It's also just a lovely, it's also just a lovely idea that you get certain ones like the Hills Have Eyes again. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, so, something that was already vaguely meaningless, but sounded threatening just becomes utterly meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, this may well be uh, the, uh, the, the the one of the few times that we prefer the remake. But we will get into that when we are ready, and not before. So before we get into that, Adam, what have you been you got- watching in the last fortnight? Well, uh, Claire's uh, Claire wanted for uh, it ended up being date night, so you know that's just the way it goes. Um, we were drinking tiny bottles of champagne Ooh. and um, mm-hmm. Claire wanted to watch another anthology movie. Uh, so we, uh, of, of a selection, we went with Tales That Witness Madness. Oh, nice. Which, which is both wonderful, but also possibly the oddest one. Certainly in terms of just the stories are just like, you what? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, so, I mean, Again, we're not. It wouldn't be giving spoilers away because this is, you know, this is. But here's the list for you, Chris, for tales that witness madness. Mm-hmm. Um, an invisible tiger, a haunted penny farthing, a man who shags a tree, and sort of like the the most sort of weird. Racially ambiguous. Thank you. Racially ambiguous um, uh, party or meeting. So (laughs) I'm going to have to leave you there. Um, Sorry, Lee. Sorry, man. Um, That's all right. uh, If you want to cut and then we can. No, let's leave it. Let's just leave a rolling. Let's go with it. Just dandio. So, Chris, have you Mm. watched anything in the last fortnight? I have. I, I watched uh, the my first ever 
creep show holiday what? special which is also my first ever creep show i think we haven't watched any have we we have not no no right and but so i think there used to be a creep show and these are sort of a new lot because they're they're modern uh, but, well, but i'm creep- sure creep show has been around for a long time uh, they were films. Uh, they were oh, right. Romero okay. um, was involved. Oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, Stephen King stories. I think the first ones. Uh, Stephen King certainly in it. Um, okay. But yeah, they're they're really good. Well, they did they did two references. Uh, one to Landis, and oh, I forgot what the other one was. But so I sort of thought, oh, maybe they've been involved in it previously. Oh, I vaguely remember. Is this the one where the Young guy goes to the store at night in the dark. No. Okay. Sorry. No. Um, so, so it's called Shapeshifters Anonymous, and it has a rather anxious man who's worried that he is a uh, a murderer, um, and so he goes to this group called Shapeshifters Anonymous, and they're all shapeshifters, um, and. It like it's. I thought it was great fun. I thought it was funny and great style and yeah, just very entertaining. So it's forty-five minutes long, um, but yeah, like so it starts with him and he's worried about it because he's finding strange things in his toilet, and you know, I mean that tells you the sort of comedy. But it's, <laughs> I, I won't give too much away, but. Uh, to give you some idea, so I thought I'd look it up afterwards and see what do people think of it because I thought it was just pretty good, really. And if I'd seen that around Christmas time, I think yeah, this is this is added to my Christmas experience. Um, so two people liked it. It's on Rotten Tomatoes, and they said a full action drama horror Christmas film in less than an hour from Creepshow for Shudder might become an annual treat, and that's exactly the sort of thing I was thinking. Excellent. Someone else said. If you like your festivities with a side of fun and frights, then a creep show holiday special is the perfect Yuletide viewing. Yep, sure. And then two other people who didn't like it. Uh, not <laughs> a single thing in a creep show holiday special is new or clever. Well, that's just rubbish. That, I mean, <laughs> that means nothing. Uh, a creep show holiday special doesn't feel all that special, caught between immensely imaginative ideas, but no proper method of bringing such delights to life. Well, again, I completely disagree with that. They absolutely... <laughs> Bought the imaginative ideas to life, so I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so so I enjoyed myself. I've just googled it. I did not see that one. Mm. I saw the season, but I didn't see that. Uh, one. So I will okay. definitely be going back to watch that because it looks very, especially with your uh, sparkling review. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah. I think that was a lot of fun. Excellent. Well done. Anything else? No, no. That's me this week. Fantastic. Right. I shall give you a quick rundown because I've been extremely busy. Uh, but in Adam's absence. Um, oh, hello. Um, Sorry about that. That's uh, all right. Yeah. Just proving back we, in. Yeah. Just just repro- re- proving that we are uh, unedited is that was me <laughs> getting the Sainsbury's shopping. <laughs> Did you and get have job. chili marmite? You can only get it in Sainsbury's. I'm very Ooh, excited man. by it. My entire family are currently scouring their online shops trying to chase me some. <laughs> oh. No, I will keep an eye out for that. So I'll send it to you as a spicy care package. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, Adam. You were saying you watched Tales That Witness Madness. 
Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so the rundown of the stories, The Invisible Tiger, The uh, Haunted Penny Farthing, um, A Man Who Sleeps With a Tree, and a, yeah, a racially ambiguous Kali voodoo Hawaiian ceremony. Yeah. With, played by white people. So, yeah, that was just, that was just, with, you know, utterly confusing but it is as fucking balmy as that sounds so and yeah claire enjoyed that see it has donald pleasance in it it has donald pleasance in it and he really proves his own he comes <laughs> into it very well it's also got um jack hawkins in it from theater of blood and it's his last film but oh. by this point it's when he uh, he lost his voice to throat cancer hmm. but they kept um Charles Gray overdubbed him in loads of films. So he was still working, he just couldn't speak. Mm. But yeah, so Charles Gray, it's, uh, and it's Charles Gray on here, I believe, as well. So, um, but, uh, and um, I also watched, I think, I think this was Netflix, there's a Russian, uh, Russian horror film called Sputnik, um, R- Russian sci-fi horror thriller so i mean we're in the same sort of territory mm. it actually thinking about it this this is all quite thematic after terms that witness madness <laughs> um but yeah that's that's really that's really worth a watch it's basically aliens versus military sort of type shenanigans reminded me a lot of quite a mess but it's mm. basically yeah an astronaut returns and is essentially possessed of an alien um, but it's much more visceral than that. And it's actually, uh, but it's, yeah, I, I really rather enjoyed it. It's definitely worth a check out. It's not mind blowing, but it's, yeah, there are far worse films out there that you can spend an hour and a half with or whatever it was. And um, yeah, that, and has some some good alien effects in it and also some good stylistic effects. There's lots of it where, Bits of it just are security cameras, oh, right. so you, so you get kind of it gives it a bit of a documentary element. It's not mm. it is not found footage, and actually, you know, money has been spent. It isn't <laughs> two two twats and a can builder, but um, yeah, they do this sort of thing. And, but it makes sense later on because there's certain bits where you only see the you see the alien kill, but in um, only in like uh, heat vision. Or night vision. And it's one of the weirdest things to watch because you're like, how have they actually fucking done that? Because, you know, it's like they've obviously, I mean, obviously they are digitally fucking with the image. Mm. But yeah, you've got like an alien giving off a heat signal, but it's like, right, so you'd actually have to have had it there to make that heat yeah. signal, you know, to because it's a very weird, spindly, beasty thing. <laughs> so yeah um but yeah that's definitely worth watching that sputnik mm-hmm. and i also watched uh possessor which is directed and written by brandon cronenberg son of david cronenberg Ooh. and frankly the apple don't fall far from the tree oh not really? to, yeah it, it is it's fucking it's really good it's basically i mean if if you refer, I can refer to it as a sci-fi thriller with body horror. Mm. Fuck me, that's like that's the first 
12 years of David Cronenberg's fucking career, isn't it? It's, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's it reminded me, and not just because Jennifer Jason Lee's in it, but it reminded me a bit of, say, something like Existence or Scanners. Yeah. In that sort of a sense of like being a, a, an actual sort of thriller more than anything else. Um, but basically, yeah, you've got uh, uh, Andrea Riseborough who played uh, Mandy in Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and is also in Crocodile, which is one of the best fucking Black Mirror stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, basically she's an assassin. But what they do is, is they sort of mind swap you into the body of someone close to the target so you can get to them. Oh, cool. So, so basically what happens is they sort of pick a person and then they have to analyse her Andrea Riseborough has to sort of take on their persona to look so people won't be thinking why are they acting so fucking strangely. Yeah. yeah. And so so there's a lot of like surveillance watch and everything else like that. Then they sort of leap into the body and then finally at the end of it they uh, kill the target and then by committing suicide in the body they get pulled out. Oh, cool. And, and bit, turn to the harsh. And, yeah, it's uh, and I mean uh, harsh is the fucking word because it's one of those films a bit like say um, you were never really here mm. where you just got like the occasional the occasional violent bits are really fucking violent like you're yeah. sort of like fucking it's all right bloody hell <laughs> steady on old chap <laughs> it's one of those sort of ones you know where someone's like fucking oh Jesus yeah it's really yeah it's really brutal in those scenes. But the um, you get the sort of lovely thing with it where where because it starts off and she just does a job, and then it's the aftermath where she has to go home to her family, but you see her having to rehearse talking to her family the same way she has to rehearse being another person mm. because like the identity shift is going yeah. and everything like that. So she's outside, sort of like oh. Uh, hi, honey, or, you know, oh, I'm starving, or whatever like that, you know, just to sort of try and, uh, yeah, be themselves. Mm. And, yeah, so it's a love... So you've got that whole sort of weird sub... Not subplot, but that weird whole other half going to it. And then she gets pulled in for a job, and it goes... Well, it it goes wrong, and basically the person starts re-exerting their will. Mm. and so yeah and she can't get out of the body because she can't get the body to uh kill itself oh. yeah that sounds really good yeah yeah and it's yeah and it, like i say it's brandon cronenberg if you've been mm. if we, having watched the fly if you're in a cronenberg mood he really and like i say i don't want i don't want it to sound like it's just like oh he just does his dad's thing mm. because this this feels new it does it's not in any way looking back at David Cronenberg's sort of work. It doesn't have that. It's not like retro 80s or anything else like that. It's That's one of the things I really like with it is the tech is very Apple. Oh, right. So, so rather than the thing, because you wouldn't have it nowadays, you wouldn't have like Frankenstein-style big banks of sparking wires and circuits and... No. You know, it wouldn't look like Primer or Pi or something like that. So all this stuff, because it's like commercially used kit, mm. it all looks it looks like you're sitting on a dentist chair with like a <laughs> thing over your face and sort of and it's just 
but there's not a big deal made about that, but it just feels so right that everything, everything looks like a photocopier, you know, everything's yeah. sort of like sort of curved lines and beige yeah. to sort of like, you know, and it's, yeah, like very consumer electronics as it is now. And yeah, so it feels so, very, it feels very today. In, mm, but yeah, so, and when, when was the film made? This uh, last year, tw- uh, 2019. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. So, and uh, sorry, yeah, last year was 2020. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my scientific advisor has advised me that it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, two years ago that it was made. Mm. It was made in 2019. And um, I've got someone, I haven't watched it yet, but I have got uh, Brandon Cronenberg's first film called Antiviral. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to watch that because that's, you know, uh, again, I'm just really, I just really like Possessor. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I remember Antiviral come out and people saying, I uh, just say very similar things to you, that mm. is, although he obviously, his brain works in a very similar way and he's got a very similar way of looking at the world, it doesn't feel like he's just trying to recreate what his dad's done previously. Like it's totally no. his own thing. But yeah, you can tell it's definitely his son. <laughs> yeah, which mm. is totally the right selling point. It's the it's the lovely thing of it feels like exactly what his dad would do at his at his age mm. if he was his age now. Yeah, is the best way I can put it. And there's no, you know, I I do love Cronenberg, so there's no, I mm. I definitely think that's a compliment, and it's good to see someone else out there doing it because it's a fairly unique take. So you know. It, honestly, it takes a Canadian to be that brutally cold, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And yeah, and that's all the weather. So fantastic. Um, I've been super busy. I don't quite know where to start. So this is the problem with me. I'm extremes. Last episode I hadn't <laughs> seen anything, and now I've got like half a dozen things. Um Yeah, but so... it's not a backlog, it's just bottlenecks and suddenly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, following the episode last week um, where we watched The Fly, um, I watched Matinee, as you suggested, Adam, uh, which I oh, believe yes. what you think? suggest on air. I think I, I think I did, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, so, Joe Dante's uh, Matinee, I liked it. It took a very long time. To, like, the first hour, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, has Adam told me about the right film? Because, <laughs> but then when it gets to the end, it's brilliant. The last half an hour. Um, I think, I, I, yeah, I think that's the problem. Is I, I, I saw it years and years ago, and I think it's that last half hour is my is my memory of it probably. Oh yeah, yeah. oh definitely. When I came away, yeah, I was like, oh, that was great. And then it wasn't till later on. I was like, there was a point about an hour in where I was like, is this going to go anywhere? But yeah, so mm. I'm totally glad I stuck with it. It was really good. Um, it then led me down a bit of a rabbit hole. There's when they're in the cinema at the end, there's a poster on the wall for a Vincent Price film called Confessions of an Opium Eater. Oh, um, which is very, very expensive to buy. Um, but the whole thing's in on YouTube. So I oh, watched wow. half of it. So is it based on? Is it Thomas De Quincey's Confessions? I believe it's loosely based, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, But the problem with it is, I think it might have been a time thing. Like, I didn't didn't think that it was racially insensitive or anything, but it was so stereotyped that, like, 
Vincent Price lands in San Francisco Chinatown and every conversation sounds like it was written by a philosopher. Like everything is, oh, right. oh okay. but we should go and do this. Ah, but the wise man says, and like, and it's literally every single thing is just them back and forth. Ah, but man who moved too quickly, this is true. But also, and it, like after about half an hour, I was like, just get on with the <laughs> plot and stop with all of these. And it drove me slightly mad to the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to bed. Screw this. <laughs> I think you're right. It is a racial caricature, definitely, to do yeah. that dialogue-wise. And if they'd have broke out, in, suddenly everyone's really good at kung fu as well. I think that would have been <laughs> a little bit. Maybe uh, that's what happens. Maybe that's the last like twenty minutes. Is suddenly goes like fucking. <laughs> oh yeah. no! Oh no! Sorry, you're right. The first tw- the first fifteen minutes, nothing happens apart from a load of people who look like they could be Irish. Um, Again, that's not being racist saying they look no, Irish. But, what yeah. I mean is, because it's early America, I get the impression that they were the mm. Irish immigrants and they were fighting with the Chinese immigrants on the beach. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of Kung Fu going on and then it was just lots of grasshopper said stuff. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah. this is a very long thing. So I gave up with that. Um, but I'm glad it's all right. Following your last episode, I watched St. Maud. Oh, yes. Um, Darnie saw it at the BFI, I think, when it was first released, and messaged me literally yeah. coming out of the cinema going, see it, as soon as you can, see it. I finally got my hands on a copy last week. What a brutal movie. Fuck, is it? Yeah, <laughs> that is. Again, that is something that Possessor has. It's not, it's in a, diff, a totally different way, but it is that sort of thing where you go, fucking Aiden. Mm. You know, especially especially when she starts scourging with the drawing pins and the shoes. Yeah, all of that really, yeah. really. That sounds painful already. Yeah. Oh, it it's... is great, but yeah. You'll Jesus. love it, Chris. It's so depressing and horrible. It's just <laughs> bleak as all hell. It's got your Christmas gift written it's all over list. it. To be honest. Um, bleak as hell. Yeah, I think I think you would like it, Chris. Definitely. But yeah, fantastic film. Really, really yeah. enjoyed it. Mm. Um, well, maybe, maybe we'll cover it at some point as well. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I mean, I think, yeah, both of us can work. The, and something that came out, like I was reading about, reading about it afterwards, I read an interview with the director, Rose Glass, and uh, she said her main inspiration was Taxi Driver. And I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. I can really see that because it's basically, it's, yeah. It's a repressed female Catholic taxi driver. It's yeah, just, yeah in Scarborough it really of all places. Yeah, in Scarborough. <laughs> yeah. Admit, admittedly, when I first watched it, I was like, and this is again, let's face it, all British seaside t- towns look the same. But at one point, she walked past an arcade, and, I, for, and just for a second, I was like, this isn't in fucking South End, is it? Is it when she walked past and, the one called Coney Island? Because Jennifer said yes. exactly the same. Just, yes. Is that in South End? No, it isn't. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and then immediately she goes up the biggest set of steps you've ever seen <laughs> to a massive grand house. And you're like, that's not South End. Yeah. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been firebombed and they haven't got anything that high at South End <laughs> apart from, well, I don't know, the cab drivers. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy it might be a strange choice of words, but yeah, it was a good film. Um, yeah. So I followed that up with another miserable favourite of Chris's. Uh, following Chris's suggestion, uh, bought on Blu-ray recently, Donnie Darko. Uh, <gasps> the Arrow one. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. To watch the director's cut to see if it made any more sense. Was it a better film? Yes. Did it make any more sense? No. Still haven't got a bleeding clue what the bloody hell was going on. But I loved every minute of it, so you can't go wrong. Um, yeah. The only reason I bring that up is... The, so the woman who is the coach of the little girls dancing squadron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The very religious teacher. Yeah. Who's a bit of a pain in the ass. Mm. She then turns up in this evening, in uh, this week's favorite watch, mm. um, Willie's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yes. <laughs> so? <laughs> it's batshit. Um, oh yeah, it's every bit as lunatic, lunatic as you'd imagine. Uh, uh, somebody sent me um, a link to a kind of review that was like, "Oh yeah, this is Nicolas Cage. He plays a mute who goes in to clean up a child's amusement park, uh, where all of the characters, all the characters, uh, are possessed by <laughs> child murderers, um, and he has to battle them one by one as the night goes on. And it is that." Nothing now else. You see, now you see, <laughs> I feel there's key information that was missed out of that trailer that would only make me want to see it more. Oh. But, yeah, that does sound good. He's a mute. Yeah, he's mute. Yeah. Right, okay. Never explained. Never. It's just it's just his character. Right. He's a mute and he plays so much of it. I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to tell you anything about it. But his entire behaviour needs explanation and none is at all it's just fantastic we loved it up on imdb it says a quiet drifter yeah very quiet if he's a mute yeah <laughs> <laughs> keeps himself to himself oh it's, it was so good that the next was it the next night no it wasn't even the next night we watched this before dinner in the afternoon because we had the week off work then we had dinner and then we watched mum and dad because jennifer had never seen that <laughs> and i was like if you just want more Nicolas Cage being alone, watch him kill his kids. So we went and watched that as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a fantastic day that was! <laughs> oh God, I'll tell you what, man. That should be that should be on the cover of the fucking DVD. <laughs> if you want to see Nicolas Cage go mental, watch him kill his kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much fun! Um, and it's the stores. Yeah, yeah. stores all. I've been doing that to every item in my house at the moment. It's driving me. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it, pretty much. Uh, and I watched the. I won't cover it here because it isn't necessarily horror. Uh, but the Netflix documentary on the Cecil Hotel is well worth a watch. Oh yeah, I've still got to check that out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is well worth watching. Um, yeah, and it is it is funny to see how just a little bit of a, a normal disappearing, you know, somebody disappears uh, and there's a little bit of information that's a little bit odd and all of a sudden thousands of people all over the world appear to be just giving up their jobs and spending all day every day on the internet trying to solve this missing person, Christ. Yeah. Mm. Bizarre, but fantastic. 
I take it. I take it. You've seen "Don't Fuck with Cats." No. Right. Seriously, if that's if that's the stuff you've enjoyed at the Cecil Hotel, watch "Don't Fuck with Cats." I promise you, it is. It's like one of those things where you're just like, "Holy shit!" You cannot do anything as long as you've got enough determined people with access to the internet. Nothing can be unseen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, it's an incredible. I think. I think. I don't think it's that long. I think it's like three episodes, maybe. Mm. Um, even if it is, or it's just a. Yeah, I think it's only like three episodes or something. But it's really, yeah, basically, a guy. And you, and the good thing is they don't get in. You know, you're not you're not seeing animals being tortured or anything. But you have like basically this guy uploaded the video of him killing a kitten, and people were outraged by it. And then the guy showed up doing another video similar sort of thing and he got into a lot of back and forth with like uh reddit and 4chan and sort of places like that mm. and yeah basically everyone was like look what this sick fuck's done let's track him down and they do nice mm. and it's like you don't see the guy in the video you just see a pair of hands and they managed to pinpoint where the fucking apartment probably is wow. on the basis on the basis of like fitments, lighting, um, you know, sort of stuff that, like cigarette packets in the background, like you can see mm. the lettering on them and things like. Seriously, it is like such a. It's incredible, especially because I believe if yeah, uh, again, it's not a spoiler because it's a, a criminal case, so everything's out there. Is this guy? did kill someone eventually mm. but basically when he killed someone the police just turned up and found like the dismembered body in the bin and didn't think much of it or what? you know didn't think that seriously and it's only because the rest of these people are going by the way we've got the name of this guy who killed a cat and we're fairly certainly killed a fucking woman mm. And eventually the police are like, oh, yeah, well, we'll take a look at it. Oh, yeah, no, probably, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, probably best go and get him, eh? <laughs> Seriously, it's like, it's fucking ludicrous. And it's, like I say, the whole thing is a testament to just the people who just pour over this stuff, like the, yeah. the, this sort of web of online detectives mm. who can do this sort of thing. And, yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of those ones that's like, would be incredible without where it goes See, mm. now i think the cecil hotel one might then be the counter to it because mm -hmm. again not to give you any spoilers you know how that one ended up um yeah but yeah it's all these people doing all this amazing sleuthing and then they'll go oh that was what happened forget mm. anything really <laughs> in a weird way it's yeah it's the opposite because I know what you mean with the Elisa Lamb case is that became such a, um, you know, just an enduring mystery again, because it, within a few years, it wasn't like, you know, legends that are built up over time or something like that. This was something where there was video footage and things like yeah. that. But still, yeah, at yeah, the end of it, say, it. Once they start, port, like the little things they start finding the amount of people who go there and recreate it so they mm. can see it for themselves and spot things. And like, mm. it, it is, it's amazing that people are that kind of obsessed. Over. And so much of it happened in the 19 days before a body was discovered. Like 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is fascinating. Uh, and it does go to show you, as you say, what mob mentality can do really for for good and bad. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, definitely. see it for but, yourself yeah, to it's... sort of. Hmm. Um, but yes, but enough of that miserable real life stuff. Let's talk about something that couldn't be further from the truth. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Oh, but a bit like uh, don't fuck with cats. Let's be honest. Jeff Goldblum clearly fucking hates monkeys. Um, oh. uh, actually, I couldn't I couldn't get it to work. I couldn't get my Blu-ray to work. But there is a apparently there's an outtake called famously called Pig Cat. <laughs> and basically, at some point, um, Seth Brundle, yeah, fuses a pig and a cat, and you get pig cat. And I think what's wrong uh, with but, mice? They're little. Oh. They're cheap. Why would you stick a bloody great baboon in there? You crazy fool! Well, not only that, I tell you what. Right, we're getting we're getting into this right now because right. the baboon is an actor. Called Typhoon, <laughs> so he is Typhoon, typhoon the, baboon. the Baboon. Yeah, I the thing was, I was watching it and I got really into, as I was describing him, the boon. <laughs> and I love the I love the bit when uh, Jeffrey Goldblum's talking to him and he's just sitting there like, I don't know, mate, I'm a baboon. <laughs> you know, although he does, although that baboon does seem to say, it does seem to have the look of your mate who's equally as wasted as you going I don't reckon that's a good idea but not actually caring or having the ability to actually get up and stop you yeah. he just looks at him really sort of like, and he's like right that's it I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through I'm going to go through Soda, she's not here I'm going to go through and the monkey does look at him like I don't think you should man <laughs> nah and anyway so I got obsessed with the boom the boom is in four other movies. Ooh, wow. All, all three of those movies are on a list of the worst movies of all time. And I no, messaged... That is, that is impressive. Yeah. I, me- I messaged Bobby before we came on. I, did, I haven't looked back for him, but because um, I wanted to ask him if he'd seen t- two of these movies. In fact, all three of them sound so not for everyone, that if they don't know them, I want them to cover them because <laughs> I'm not going to watch them. But I feel they would. And yeah, so he's in a film called uh, Shakma uh, from 1990 in which an experimental baboon goes mental in a lab facility and starts killing everyone with Roddy McDowell. Yep. So it sounds like watch, watch, to watch list. Yeah. And he's also, he plays the character Boone, which is, again, pleased me because I've been referring to him as the Boone. <laughs> uh, he plays the character called Boone in two films about super spy Duncan Jacks. And Boone is his baboon sidekick. <laughs> and they made two films of this, Unmasking the Idol, in which uh, they have to stop the terrorist Scarlet Leader from starting World War Three, and the follow-up, the Order of the Black Eagle, in which they have to fight na- Nazis hiding in South America. <laughs> and so it sounds like it's like some crazy fucked up, like Indiana Jones, James Bond, Superstar, <laughs> I think. And he's made but, by Canon. 
it's really, it sounds so canon, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. And like I say, I messaged Bobby because I wanted to see if he was aware of these films, because if not, and, and here's the clincher, that first um, movie, Unmasking the Idol, is 1986. And I know that that is their touchstone year. Golden year, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're, if you're listening, gents, let us know if you've seen them. And if you haven't or you have, please do episodes on them because, frankly, they star one of the finest baboon actors. And I think it's unfair to let him swelter in the doldrums of uh, four films, three of which are on the worst films of all time list. So, yeah. And that, and sorry, I, I did get excited there. But, yeah, we, we started with baboons. We started at baboons. Sorry, that's, that's, my fault. I dragged baboons no, in, it's way too early. That's a unique start. It, it's a unique start, but that's how good this. That's how good I feel about this film that we can start at the boom facts and just go higher. Yeah, I agree. So, I do agree. We haven't. We haven't peaked. <laughs> no. Chris, so I'm assuming this wasn't your first viewing of this film. Uh, well, no. So it wasn't my first viewing. I've definitely seen it before, um, but I, it was also one of those things where it had been talked about a lot in school because mm. of the ear dropping off scene right i don't know I, I mean there's a lot that happens in this film that could have been talked about for some reason that was the one i was gonna say the the key moments because i was watching it with claire and the key moments i kept going that was all around the playground yeah and it was and it was maggot birth mm, yeah the ear I, coming off yeah. seeing his knob in the bathroom cabinet and yeah, and I, and I, I think that. the I think the vomit as well, possibly. But yeah, yeah those yeah. Are definitely definitely the ear coming off was yeah, that went around the background. That, that, no, I'm sure those other bits did get talked about. I did not remember the knob mm. in the cabinet, but yeah, um, but for some reason the ear is what stuck in my mind over the years. So it's like that's what I think of when I think of this film. And so yeah, so to be reminded of everything else that happens in it, it's just like. It, it just for me it started off and it's like yeah yeah this is good okay i like i really like jeff goldblum um i'd forgotten gina davis was in it and i remember mm. i quite liked her at the time i thought she did a good job in this um but yeah just i, I love who jeff goldblum plays and his progression throughout and the way that he changes and it's just it just kept getting better every new scene was like right you've just made the previous scenes amazing and that's yeah. just got better and better and better and it, and just it took me through such a roller coaster and i've totally forgotten the, the sort of depth that it builds um mm. and so yeah a couple of the uh things that i took away um i definitely need to use the phrase i'm going to wax messionic at some point <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that before um be afraid be very afraid that's obviously a classic um yeah phrase and and yeah, and then the bit where he said when he's he turned mostly and his mind has changed and he said, I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man, I'll hurt you mm. to say. And I was like, that's it, you've just won. <laughs> like, like we've seen some well, great films lately, but that done it for me. Well, because that's that's the there's a what is it, the um Zhuangzi dreams of a butterfly. It's like an old Chinese proverb yeah funnily, funnily enough going back to uh lee's uh yeah proverb, that it. was the word i couldn't think of at the time yeah. and i was like uh saying no they're not saying and in the end i was like oh just but yeah well done thank you i transcribed the whole thing because i thought chris might mm. 
pick up on it. And it's um, and this I remember I remember getting read this at school, like in primary school, and I'm like, shit, I had a fucking impressive teacher at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, once. Uh, once Zwanzo dreamed he was a butterfly, flitting and fluttering about, happy with himself and doing as he pleased. He didn't know he was Zwanzo. Suddenly he woke up and there he was, solid and unmistakable Zwanzo. But he didn't know if he was Zwanzo who had dreamt he was a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming that he was Zwanzo. Between Zangzuo and the butterfly, there must be some distinction. This is called the transformation of things. Nice. And yeah, and it was just the transformation of things bit that was like, right, well, I can see why that's that's gone yeah. into the thing, apart from like <laughs> the, the obvious that insect thing. The other the other thing though, you um be afraid, be very afraid. Um the that line came from the producer or one of the producers, mm. which was Mel Brooks. And um <laughs> yeah, he because they said, Oh, because they were I think basically they were reading the the proposed script to him and everything mm. and it was and he was like so um and she goes back and she's right uh, she's afraid he's like yeah be afraid be very afraid he re- <laughs> and, and then they were like yeah that's the that's line we're it, that. yeah. and then it ends up as the poster <laughs> and everything but yeah mel mel brooks this is around the same sort of time because he obviously did like stuff like the elephant man and things like that and he does mm. sort of crop up he has far more contributions to horror than just uh, young Frankenstein mm. and oddly enough not necessarily you know certainly not horror comedies I mean this is the, if there's one thing you can't level at the fly it's not you it's, know it's a knockabout not, but it, romp but it, but it does have some lighter parts as well like so you know I'd totally oh, yeah. that as as he's changing and he's so pleased with himself and, and he's you know becoming excited about it and he's like this is something great and then he's getting stronger and, and he's sort of feeling like he's you know, peaking is just, yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd sort of forgotten right, yeah, so much of all of that. Um, yeah, the sort of positive side of it that he goes through before it all starts yeah. turning into uh, it for him. And I suppose even at the beginning, like it is sort of comedy-like as he's trying to woo um, Veronica. Um, yeah. And, he, and then he's sort of telling her about it. I, actually, that was another thing that I really thought... Uh, I thought it was good was when she's asking him, how did you do it all? And I'm assuming they sort of did it. So they didn't have to explain it in too much detail. And he said, look, I'm basically just a systems person. I buy it from people. I tell them what I want, mm, I piece yeah. it together. And it's like, actually, you know, that kind of works because that is legitimate way to do something. And he doesn't yeah. have to then explain in every detail how the whole thing works. Yeah. It's like, it's a good plot. And it's also a good uh, mechanic to avoid having to, you know, try and get into too much detail so yeah i thought that's great and so yeah, yeah there was uh, the whole comedy comedic sort of elements at the start because mm. it's a good workaround like you say mm. you don't have to get too in depth but it actually thematic not thematic like it works within the base of the storyline because it actually because yeah. it actually replaces the question that some someone in the audience might be well who's fucking paying for all this thing yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It's like with two, two birds, one stone, and you actually make... Because the thing I forgot about this film is the fact that it's basically three actors. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's the woman he brings back from the bar, the, the two guys in the bar, and the doctor. Mm. And that's about it. 
yeah. I think that's because uh, he plays he plays about four characters himself. So it's like yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Cronenberg's um, the uh, gynecologist. Yeah. Oh uh, uh, right. Which apparently was because that's what Martin Scorsese described him as. He said he looked. He said he looked like a Hollywood surgeon when he first mm. met him, and he was like, "Oh well, he should." Yeah, I think he should play the <laughs> play the gynecologist. But uh, yeah, there's there is. It's a weird thing watching it because I know that there's a there was a big thing at the time, or sort of around the same time, because obviously there was the um, it was sort of when the AIDS epidemic was really hitting hard. Mm. And lots of people said, oh, they read it as an AIDS allegory or whatever like that. And Dave Cronenberg said, I can see why you would do that, but that wasn't my intent. Yeah. Um, you know. But the one thing I thought was is it does seem to be very much a Coke allegory. In so much as it's just like, yeah, I feel amazing, I feel better. And the bit, especially yeah. the bit in the uh, calf. Yeah. <laughs> where it's just pouring sugar in there and yeah. just talking. Talking and talking like that, and actually, I was like, I suppose no. It's the middle of the eighties. There's two well dressed people. No one is questioning why he's behaving like that. They're just thinking, "Oh, fucking cokeheads in again for a <laughs> yeah." For it's, a funny, it's funny you say. It. Jennifer said exactly the same thing when he screams at the waiter because he called in thirty seconds ago and he still hasn't turned up. She was like, mm. "Yeah, that's everybody in the eighties." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, this film is so so 80s and that's what i love mm. it like mm. the people's clothing and their hairstyles yeah. um and, and i was saying to chris just before we started recording those the, the appearance of those pods are mm. so iconic it's it is such mm. a solid part of the 80s is just that pod from the fly you'll never forget it if you grew up in the 80s it's amazing and something about it it seems like it hasn't aged. Like it seems to still hold up. So it's like it's mm. it's eighties, but yet it still seems to work today really well. Like if, even the the computer, like when you're seeing the computer screens. I mean, obviously it looks dated, but somehow I think they've made a style with that that just still worked for me. Yeah, it, like it didn't take me out of it. Yeah, because I assu- I assume that's animated as well because it's mm. like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where they couldn't. They didn't have. They could have had the computers to do it, but it would have cost so much yeah, to do it. More than it's worth doing. It. Yeah. Mm. But I, I agree. I think like because you have got the thing that literally you can see the eighties in the hair, the clothes, you know, the cars, the surroundings, and everything else mm. like that. But actually, the sort of basis of the thing really fucking still works. Yeah. And mm. I think it's because we are still because. It's that was something that I think Claire found with it was that the fact that it wasn't a remake, it was a proper. It was the first, it was the term of reimagining. Yeah, mm. because it's like right, we've still got the same basis, but you've got the, um, you know, we now are going to look at it from the point of view of genetics and DNA and things like that, and as well as the teleportation side of things. And, you know, it was of its, um, you know, it's, it's still cutting edge science or it's still mm. science that is, you know, they were just looking in the right place. Yeah. Where, you know, they were taking their ideas from what then was really cutting edge science and has yeah. become reinforced and almost the norm. So that now it's like you can, you could show it to anyone and people are like, oh, right, so it's DNA. 
mm. which at the time would have been much more than it was, ex- you know, the film explains it to you. But yeah, yeah, you probably wouldn't have to now almost. And, but interesting enough, the pods um, are apparently, because I didn't know this, but apparently David Cronenberg is a like motor obsessive, mm. cars, motorcycles, like all vehicles and stuff like that. And he had a motorbike at the time and the pods are based on his engine <laughs> or part of the engine yeah, on yeah. the motorbike. Yeah. And again, yeah, I can, I, and having read that, I can really see it. Yeah. Because it's like, it's that sort of vented chrome. Yeah, exactly. like, the, look, the, yeah. like the heat sink shape mm. to it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, right, so, so he's the director and it turns yeah. out the gynecologist. Um, but, <laughs> but so he also, like, I'm assuming he did a lot of the gory effects. Well, the, the effects was a guy called Chris Wallace. But, but he and... has a big input in, oh, in yeah. how he wants it to look. And, and equally with, yeah, like the pods. So he's, he is very into the, like the whole thing. Oh, yeah, the aesthetic of it. And that's mm. the one thing you always come away with with um, David Cronenberg films is he is interesting because it's not the Tim Burton thing of mm. like the aesthetic. You can always tell you're watching a Tim Burton movie because yeah. of the aesthetic, mm. but it will be because there's black and white stripes or there's this or that, you know, yeah. pumpkins and, yeah. you know, basic, basic Halloween sort of looking stuff or whatever like that, or spindly figures. Whereas with David Cronenberg, it's always within the film's world that it all feels mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, you know, so he doesn't necessarily, basically, all, not all his films look like The Fly. No. But okay. they all work in that same way where everything feels plausible, believable. The mm. gore is generally realistic and, frankly, to the point of over the top. Well done. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, you come, you can come away from anything with this movie, but you have seen a baboon turned inside out. <laughs> and, you know, it's, there's, so there's still his trademarks there. And it was weird because mm. when I was, when I was sort of, because obviously, I mean, um, uh, Dave Cronenberg, there's like, I've, I did notice that there is like a sort of weird um, sort of, streams to the type of movies he does so you get like mm. shivers rabid the brood and scanners and probably the fly would fit into body horror yeah and then you've got yeah. videodrome and existence which are much more about technology and body horror and how it relates which again kind of is like the fly um and then you've got he did he's adapted a lot of good a, a lot of books and a lot of good books as well so they did like the dead zone and crash and naked lunch and crash and naked lunch were both films that people were like these are unfilmable yeah. um mm. and yeah and he still does so you've got the literary literary adaptions and the fly obviously is based on a short story as well but you've also got stuff like dead ringers spider a history of violence eastern promises um and they're kind of what i can only describe they're more like human stories so, I mean, like, uh, East, Eastern Promises and uh, History of Violence are essentially gangster films. And, you know, and, and like, Dead Ringers is a psychodrama, so Spider. Mm. And, yeah, but all of it sort of seems to coalesce in the fly that you get all of those, weirdly, you get all of those strands. 
all of the so you get like yeah. you get the tech side of it you definitely get the body horror you definitely get the human story and, and weirdly enough it also does come originally from a prose source mm. although they're i mean this is the thing i think they you know they've obviously just watched the fly and taken what they need from it yeah and, and i think the weird thing that acknowledges what a classic the original is is the fact of how i mean obviously every time they come out the pods it's like stars in their eyes so it's like a load of nothing <laughs> Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be a baboon inside out. <laughs> and I'd, I'd have gone on and done that. They'd have, I don't know what, but yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, uh, but when he goes through the first time and you've seen the flies in the chamber mm. and all that, they really give it a few beats before he comes out. Yeah. Because I suppose the original audiences of this were waiting for him to come out with a big fly. Yeah, <laughs> because the because the original is a classic and the original yeah. is well known, mm. and it's like yeah. So I think they kind of acknowledge that, and but again, they take it down that much more clever route where it basically it you like his sense collapse essentially. You know, he mm. he decomposes really. Yeah. Um, and but and again, that's such a. It's just such a good fucking take on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think, the, and this film, that's why this film works well, is because it is such a perfect opportunity for a remake. The, the original film is great, but it is very campy and very, because it is just, oh, he goes in mm. the machine, he comes out, is exactly as he was, except he's got a massive fly's yeah. head, which is obviously kind <laughs> of not, like, it's, it's a good, fun film, and you do yeah. kind of take it seriously, but it is a ludicrous idea that they just swapped heads. Whereas David yeah. Cronenberg obviously went, but what if a man actually turned into a fly and just, yeah, like you say, just took the very core mm. concept and made it so entirely different and, and just made it his own and gave it that body horror it's, element and just, yeah, I mean, it's so almost made it more subtle and yet more, much more terrifying ultimately. Yeah. It's more well thought yeah. out. He's spent a lot mm. more time thinking about it and then he's made it gross on top. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's also. I think it's also because the original does have that sort of melodrama plot, but it's a bit more fifties melodrama. So it's like mm. the the wife's pretending she's mad to throw them off the scent, and she's looking for the tiny fly, and you know the breakdown of the family unit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas with this, it's a far more plausible like thing of how of of a relationship where someone goes off yeah. and fucks themselves up. Yeah, like the, the sadness in this is, mm. is so powerful as, you know, as their relationship was built up and, yeah, the way it's changing, she wants to help him. And, yeah, and then the baby, I've totally forgotten that she was pregnant and yeah, it, the baby scene. And... Well. It didn't make, it didn't surprise me at all, though, that that slimy <laughs> editor knew a midnight yeah. abortionist <laughs> on yeah. speed dial. I know yeah. somebody yeah. can take care of that baby for you in the next 25 minutes. Don't you even worry about it. <laughs> the, the, interest, the interesting thing is, is that there seems to be this certainly from, and again, I don't know whether it's because it's made in the 80s and no one bats an eyelid that you forget that, again, still a product of its age. But what a fucking sex offender Stathis is. Yeah. I mean, he is just, like you said, he is just sleaze. 
Yeah. Especially when it's like, oh, I thought I'd come in and use your shower. It's like, get out, you dirty bastard. You know, it's like sort of... I wouldn't want somebody mm. who I really like coming in particularly and using my shower. I definitely want some, wouldn't want somebody who I don't really like at all and have to get on with in a work type scenario, just coming in and washing their grubby bits down in my shower stall. Well, it's disgusting. Yeah. And, but again, you know, it's part of his power play. Yeah. That it's like, it's like piss on his territory sort of thing and everything, even though she's finally just decided, no, you are, you're fucking horrible. I don't want to fucking be with you. <laughs> but but weirdly enough, I think that there is because in my mind I was like, and then obviously you get the breakdown of her and Seth's relationship as Seth um, is infected by the, the uh, contagion and becomes the fly. Mm. But actually, it's his own fault for being a bit of a machismo dick as well. Yeah. Because it is basically, she goes off and it's like, right, I don't want to upset him, but I'm going to go off, I'm going to tell Staffis, for fuck's sake, back off, you creep. But in his mind, he's just got wankered and he's marching up and down the fucking flat, talking to a baboon, like, nah, she's off shagging him, isn't she? She's off shagging him. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fuck, no, nah, fuck her. No, I'm going through. <laughs> and it's, it's because he's been a prick. Yeah. You know, and and I think he acknowledges that it's, you know, he doesn't blame anyone. You know, he it, it, even, it, I think the scientist side of it comes out because mm -hmm. it's like the despair, the absolute horror. And then, hang on, this is a fascinating, this is fascinating. Yeah, this is, yeah. You know, and you sort of, and he's, <laughs> but yeah, I, so I don't think, but it is, it's almost like the, the only person in this is like, um, Veronica's the only person in it who's, who doesn't do anything. Basically, she's not a cunt or doesn't do anything cuntly. Yeah. Is the best way I can describe it. Like Jeff Goldblum, yeah, I like Seth Brundle, but he does a fucking dumb thing because he's being an ass. Yeah, and it fuck and it fucks the whole. That's what causes the whole situation. Stathis is a piece of shit from seat one. Mm. <laughs> you know, and oh, and yeah. actually, I mean, we take we credit where it's due though. He did give us the first ever YouTube reaction video, as we saw. When he watches the uh, the, <laughs> the bundle by VHS, he's going, "Oh, ge oh, Jesus!" And we can't even see what he's seeing. It's just his face going, "Oh, fucking!" <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. YouTubers react to bundle fly. <laughs> Actually, that's something else as well that is again a product of its time. And it's a weird thing that I picked up on, I'll be honest. But when they're in Veronica's flat, mm. right, on her coffee table, I am not kidding, is like a ceramic leaf ashtray the size of the fucking coffee table. <laughs> there's, there's only a few fag butts in it, but you just get the impression of, you know, you finally got round to cleaning it, but usually it's like a triangular death, like sort of star destroyer mound of fag butts. Because that is the only way you'd have an extra. She then walks into the kitchen, a matter of maybe a yard, and there is a big fuck off ashtray in the kitchen as well. And it's just the <laughs> 80s thing of just everyone's, everyone's fucking smoking, smoking non-stop. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so you've just got ashtrays everywhere. It's not like a specialised thing. It's not, oh, I'll go and get the ashtray or, you know, this is, or you have an ashtray for guests or whatever. Like that. It's literally, no, this entire place, there's probably in the bowl. This it's is just my walking ashtray that you're in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just a weird thing. But again, it was like, it was just, again, seeing something that is just not, not seen anymore. Or just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially when it's like in places of work as well. Obviously, that always just feels weird now. Yeah. Who's like, sitting there with a fucking cigar on and stuff like that? But <laughs> but yeah, I, do, I, I think overall, because um, that, that was the other thing as well, is I don't know if anyone's seen it. Obviously, um, David Cronenberg has a bit of a, a double life as an actor, and he is he plays Decker in Nightbreed. Oh, yeah. Which is fucking brilliant. He really, you know, he really... And, but again, he tends to play characters who feel a bit David Cronenberg is the best way I can put it. You know, they're always... It's always like, yeah, intellectual. Uh, intellectual, but to the point that it's like, yeah, you don't have any morals left, do you? <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> um, but obviously there's... Uh, he's in Jason X... Yeah, that's um, the one I was right thinking of. Yeah, Dr. Woman. But apparently, and I've not, I don't know if either of you, possibly Chris, have watched Star Trek Discovery, but apparently he's got a reoccurring role in that. Mm. A character called Kovic. And there is, and literally he is, I saw a picture of it, it's Space David Cronenberg. <laughs> it's David Cronenberg with his big white hair and his massive black glasses, uh, but in a silver suit. So, you know. <laughs> I think, I think I did start watching that. That was the was that the series on Netflix where they were very against... possibly. I've lost. Yeah. Oh, Cliff, my scientific advisor is nodding, but um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I I lost I lost track somewhere around Voyager, so yeah. I don't know what the other names are and stuff. Yeah, there's but alternate universe. This film did the rounds a bit, and I'll give you here's some of the people involved. Uh, People who are going to other directors lined up with Tim Burton, but mm. I think at this point it was probably because it's like, oh, it's like a fifty sci-fi thing, and he was probably because he'd been trying to get Mars Attacks off the ground as well. So I wonder yeah. if it was that sort of fifties sci-fi thing. Um, and Robert Bierman, who directed Vampire's Kiss, the uh, Nicolas Cage movie, Yeesh. which I've still yet to see. I've still yet to oh, see. Oh, mate, you're um, missing out. <laughs> I know. I've just, I, I just can't get hold of it for fucking love and money. That's, that's all it seems to be at the moment. But yes, I'm hoping to see it at some point. Um, but he apparently he started doing the film, and then I believe his daughter died, and he was like, right, I, you know, obviously I can't continue with this, and basically the production, uh, the production company were like, no, that's fine, take your time, we'll shut down. And they basically mm. shut down for like two months or something like that just to give him that space. Yeah. And he's, and, but then at the end of that, he went back to me. He was just like, look, I really don't, I'm really not in any place to direct this. And also, you know, this is a film that deals with grief mm. in a yeah. way. You know, he's, yeah. he's grieving for someone who is dying rather than dead. But mm -hmm. yeah, and he was like, no, I just can't say. But I just thought that was such a rare, nice moment in Hollywood where it's like, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll yeah. 
and if you don't, if you come back and you can't do it, no hard feelings. It's not like, mm. you know. And I thought that, that was just a real rare not kindness in the midst <laughs> of, especially the eighties in Hollywood. I mean, we we all know that everyone everyone is sitting there going, "Waiter, Jesus Christ!" <laughs> so, yeah. um, but up to, I mean, basically, as far as I can tell, half the fucking half the country were up for the part of Seth. Yeah. So yeah, Michael Keaton. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mel Gibson, who turned this down to do Lethal Weapon, so I think he made the right choice for everyone there. <laughs> so, um, Richard Dreyfus, John Travolta, John mm. Lithgow, uh, James Woods, and Willem Dafoe. And I could, do, I mean, Willem Dafoe, I can kind of see in that sort of thing, but I think Jeff Goldblum's just a bit more charming or sort of. He's got that nervous energy thing as well. Yeah. Mm. Works really well as a scientist. Like he, yeah. And that is just his general persona. So it, it works perfectly in that, this as someone and who the way is he, like that, who's just so yeah. Like he seems like he's thinking about other things all the time. Yeah. You know, and he's yeah. It's just and, and an element of curiosity though. And I don't know. Just yeah. Something about him does seem to fit this so well. He's definitely he's definitely on my extremely short list of Americans I would allow to play the Doctor in Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, so no. he, he's he's got that right sort of he has got that right sort of vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, Quirky, I, but um, yeah, and and for uh, uh, for Veronica, uh, Linda Hamilton, mm. uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and Laura Dern. And obviously, Jeff Goldblum ended up working with Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. Yeah. And interesting, interesting mm. enough, he was he went out with Gina Davis for years. In fact, they were married after the mm. fly for about five years, I think. Um, but then, obviously, he then went out with Laura Dern as well. So mm. it's like you just you know, it's just weird that sort of like she was on the horizon for this as well. And yeah. Um, but yeah, they they did. Um, him and Gina Davis did three films together. So they did this, Earth Girls Are Easy, and um, a film called Transylvania 65000. Oh, have you, sir? Have you seen it? Yeah. Any good? Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. It feels like somebody tried to make a Mel Brooks movie but wasn't Mel Brooks oh. and just did an awful job. Um, it's lots of kind of slapstick humour, and I think they got lots of... Um, oh, just Again, I've not read up on it, but just the impression I got from watching it was a lot of it felt kind of improvised, so they had... Um, like oh, the, right, yeah. the guy who plays the wacky neighbour from Seinfeld, he's in it as like an Igor character just right, running amok okay. all over the place and it, it's that kind of, I mean it's not well, I say dreadful it's probably a little bit harsh I've only seen it once but yeah I remember being decidedly underwhelmed by the slapstickiness of it well I, th- I think I think the fly is the real alchemy of their on-screen <laughs> partnership definitely because <laughs> Earth Girls Are Easy is not a particularly great film either um, and it's <laughs> It's kind again. It's one of those ones where it's like, oh, it's kind of a comedy, isn't it? <laughs> and you, you know that, and that's that's never good. You're basically a comedy or not, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 
certainly if it's what you're aiming for and you get that response. Probably, it's a secondary yeah. thing. If it's a horror and you go, well, it's kind of got some comedy. But if it's supposed mm. to be a comedy and it's only kind of got some comedy, it's gone yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a comedy, but with not as much comedy as usual. <laughs> so, it's it's like a, it's like a comedy, only not as funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, there's, I mean, obviously, fucking. Jeff Goldblum's done lots and lots in his time. I mean, mm-hmm. like we said, there's Jurassic Park. I didn't realise he'd come back for others. Apparently he's coming back for the the latest one that's been delayed, Dominion, which got mm-hmm. delayed because of COVID. Okay. Which, incidentally, if, uh, incidentally, if no one, if, if neither of you are following Sam Neill on Instagram, fucking follow Sam Neill on Instagram. Because he's just been making short films I was about, <laughs> yeah, like, one. but like short films, like literally, you know, five ten minutes or something like that. Mm. But seriously, um, I think his, I think his name on there is Sam Neil the prop, <laughs> and he, yeah, basically he does wonderful little sort of vignettes on there and stuff like that. Plus, yeah, you get his short films uh, uh, like on the um, on the stories and stuff like that. And mm. um, there we go. That that was the sound of a 43-year-old man talking about social media, wasn't it? Or the stories of that. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> didn't, want to, didn't want to say reels and make a burger of yourself. Probably doing it on the TikToks, isn't it? But, um, you think that makes uh, you sound bad? I should apologise to all the people who nominate me for stuff, um, including you, Adam, because you've done it a few times. I don't know how that works. I get a message saying you've nominated me. I don't know how to make it do it or to reply to it. So I just sack it off. So don't think I'm being rude. I just genuinely don't understand the technology. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. Right, right. I'll tell you what. The technology is doing something a bit crazy, and you're not going to be able to see it. But um, explain this if you know how this happened. I just searched for Sam Neil. It came up. Sam Neil the prop, exactly as Adam said. Great follow. Then I clicked a little arrow that showed me suggestions for you. And first on the suggestion is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Really. Oh, okay. So what 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 did the algorithm pick up there that connected both of those together Nothing, or heard us talking? Talking about yeah. Goldblum. It could be. I mean, it's, it's let's face it. We know that that is happening. Yeah, and, but, but surely they wouldn't make it that obvious. <laughs> I think I think they, they just the do not care. They just don't yeah. care. I think it's when you leave it up to a machine, I think that the AI is not sensitive enough to not no. go in like fucking old nail boots. It, it knows <laughs> I'm going to click follow, doesn't it? And that's all it cares yeah. about. It's like, no, it's all it is. It's like, you know, you could sit there and just go, well, I'm, um, you know, I've become the uh, coach of uh, my son's soccer team. If, obviously, these are phrases that you hear every day. Uh, yeah, I've become coach of my child's football team. And then you know, you know that within minutes you will be seeing an advert for take a coach to see the football. <laughs> Where it's not only kind of misunderstood you, but also mm-hmm. it's like, right, quick, do it now before it. they forget. Yeah. Bloody <laughs> stupid humans. <laughs> Malleable, you know. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, Sam Neill, the prop is, it's, yeah, fucking great. Everyone go and follow him because... Yeah, it's just been wonderful. But yeah, so mm. and I I forgot as well that obviously because in my head, 
Jeff Goldblum, because this was something that I think Claire found with it, is that she couldn't quite, in her head, Jeff Goldblum should not be allowed scientific equipment. <laughs> but in my head, he just is a scientist. Yeah. And it is just because of this Jurassic Park. And is, is he a computer scientist in Independence Day? Doesn't he do the, um, I think he does the virus that they upload yeah. into the Yes, he works chip. at the TV station and it's him who finds the hidden message that's been hidden in their satellite feed. Mm. So, yeah, he's always he's always in a science-y way. Um, obviously, I've still not seen fucking Guardians of the Galaxy because no bastard <laughs> will watch it with me. What? What? Um, what? what? I, know, why, I know. Why won't Claire watch it? It's, this, this is an ongoing conversation, but we, we'll, we'll get around to does, it. Does she, does she hate Marvel? No. It's All just, right. we, it's just every time I suggest watching Guardians of the Galaxy, no one can, And it's not just Claire. <laughs> this has been going no. on for years, this has. I took the DV round. I, I took the DVD round for Dean's more like for <laughs> fucking weeks, and then everyone would believe watch it. Bet you've seen it now, cheeky kid. Mm. But, um, but obviously, um, Jeff Goldblum's in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, so I don't know if you've got to either of those yet, Chris, because you said you were doing no. them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are working our way through them, but not got to that yet. Yeah, apparently in the character Grandmaster, but I've, mm -hmm. I've not seen number one, so I certainly ain't seen number two. Um, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Mm -hmm. The 70s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Death Wish, um, Deep Cover, The Tall. Now, that was something that came up as well. Is obviously he's in The Tall Guy with Rowan Atkinson, and he really is dressed like Mr. Bean, isn't he? Uh, you no, know, this. And I kind of now think that maybe they just did that. I wonder if Mr. Bean's outfit was based on Jeff Goldblum. Ah, in the yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the Tweedy jacket, it's the slacks, mm. it's everything. He is dressed <laughs> as Mr. Bean. So, um, um, but yeah, and, um, but that's, yeah, it's a film I haven't seen for years at all, but I don't know if it's, I can't remember. I remember liking it at the time, but I don't know if it holds up or anything. Um, like Life Aquatic with Steve Zuzu. Um, He's had reoccurring roles on telly, Laura Alder, um, Glee, Will and Grace. But, and here is the mark that you know that you have arrived. He is Troy McClure's agent, MacArthur Parker, in The Simpsons. <laughs> and it's only, it's, it's only one appearance, but you've, you've got a, you have a character in The Simpsons. You haven't turned up as, you're not yourself. You haven't been Jeff Goldblum in The Simpsons. You've had a character, which is always mm. much better, much better. Um, and with Gina Davis, obviously, you've got uh, Beetlejuice and Thelma and Louise. Um, Long Kiss Goodnight. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but Long Kiss Goodnight, I've not seen it for years, but I remember it being fucking brilliant. Mm. Um, she plays uh, uh, she plays this um, like hired assassin, but it's like her domestic day that is just as a wife and mother, but then she goes off on assignments with Samuel L. Jackson and fucking kills people. It's fucking great. Really, <laughs> <laughs> really good. <laughs> so I, I'm not, I might have to rewatch it because I haven't seen it for years, but yeah, I remember it being fucking good. Um, League of Their Own, Cutthroat Island. Um, but 
I didn't know that she had her own sitcom called The Gina Davis Show, which ran yeah. for one season. And I didn't realise how much telly she's done because I did, she, she was in The Exorcist, the Netflix series. Yeah. The Exorcist, yeah, she was in that, Grey's Anatomy, uh, Glow. Um, she was President Mackenzie Allen, in <laughs> Commander-in-Chief, whatever that is. And also, so she said, like, she's been like the main character in loads of TV series. Um, She also, and this this is, uh, she founded the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media in 2004, working to dramatically increase uh, the presence of female characters in media and behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And they've done some, like, they've they've done, like, like, backed a couple of really good documentaries that have really, sort of achieved a lot because yeah. I think it was basically said she sat down she sat down one day and watched cartoons with her kids and was like toting it up and realised there was like sort of eight male characters to one girl yeah. in every cartoon that she was watching with her kids and she was, hang on well, someone <laughs> should do something about this yeah and it so, would be and, me and, and unlike a lot and unlike a lot of people she's got off her ass and fucking done it yeah mm-hmm. exactly so, yeah no, she's brilliant she is also a semi-finalist for the 1999 Olympic archery team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, having taken up archery like the year before or something, but she was just <laughs> like, yeah, I thought I'd give it a whirl. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think everyone, yeah, oh, everyone in this, um, like the three main characters are so plausible. Mm. You know, there's nothing in it that sort of rings hollow. In mm. a weird way, the opposite of the the least weird thing about the Vincent Price, the fly, is the fact that he gets a fly's head. <clears throat> Whereas actually, like, there's the sort of weird plot where the wife wants to pretend to be mad so that the son isn't mm. disgraced. And, and Philippe goes and lives with his uncle Vincent. And <laughs> it's, yeah. Whereas this actually just plays out like a tragedy. And, mm. you know, it's sort of... Although also I have read somewhere that sort of people, like at the time, everyone was like, oh, well, the thing is that, you know, Stathis comes round at the end and he sort of becomes the hero of the piece. Does he fuck her in? Yeah, he doesn't at all. He doesn't. He gets one off. shot off at the thing that just nearly killed him. I don't think he does it for heroic reasons. I think he's pissed off because no. it's just destroyed his hand and his leg. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, not only that, he, what is his motivation? It's a, again, we're back to it being a pissing contest. Yeah. It's a, he wants ownership over Ronnie rather than, oh, Ronnie's in a bad situation, so I'll help her out. Yeah. It, like, if I help her out, she'll probably nod me. And, you know, what, what, one, what a wonderful motivation, although admittedly, <laughs> <laughs> if we start breaking down a lot of these films, in that <laughs> I would I would also like to point out at this point that uh, our our colleague from the Moss Eisley Happy Hour I know did once show a girl the fly as like a sort of date movie and apparently it got to the bit where he spews up over his hand and she went and uh, had to be sick. Oh, so I don't, nice. I don't think it worked particularly well for him. That was a, a mistake. <laughs> It's a tough sell for a first date movie. But it's, I mean, it, that, it's that, is, that is a bold move. 
I th- I think it was, but what I love about it is I think it was much more born of you've not seen the fly. That is genuine. <laughs> that point i think the date was incidental i think it was just <laughs> yeah. we're watching the bloody fly don't you worry um, that, is, that is respect yeah i mean it's um uh, and apparently one one last thing that i turned up is apparently jeff goldblum wrote to vincent price mm. saying um what was it uh, i hope you like uh, i hope you like it as much as i like yours oh and apparently, so Vincent Price was very touched, went to see the movie, and then, uh, what was it? He said it was wonderful right up to a certain point, and then it went a bit too far. So, <laughs> which, which makes me think, I'm assuming that it was Johnny Spunk fingers in the, in the bathroom. Mm. Yeah. I think that might, have been, that might have been the clincher, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I so I really enjoyed this film this time round, but mm. I thought a, a bit like you said, uh, both of you. What I remember of this was the four or five points that everybody talked about at school from it, mm. and I thought it was a bit of a all right movie with four or five horrifically gory bits that small boys <laughs> would like, and I, yeah. I didn't think yeah. there'd be anything more to it. Um, so yeah, seeing it for the first time now in probably twenty five years or whatever. Um, yeah, I definitely appreciated it an awful lot more than I thought I was going. I think there's a lot more for me to enjoy now than there was when I was, you know, mm. twelve years old or whatever, mm. and I watched it last time. So uh, yeah, it's a good. I, film. Th- I think yeah, I, th- I think that is the thing with it. it, it, it the thing, that the f- bloody hell! I mean, Christ, whatever that was. Um, <laughs> but I did. I do genuinely think that the, the it has that it's that same thing of watching a well-made kids comedy as an adult and realizing there's loads of jokes in How there. How much more there is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Definitely. with this, it was like this was like one of the classic eighties, like mm. oh, he did this and his fucking head blew off, or yeah. you know, and like, you, you basically you just draw out bit. the rest. Yeah, it's... yeah, you got to see this bit. He's yeah. got the, he's got the machine gun off a helicopter and he's firing it at me, and you're like. <laughs> Whereas actually you can, but then with this you can go back and it's like actually this is a fucking good film, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know this this fulfills its role at various ages, yeah, you know in the right ways. <laughs> I think that's what Cronenberg does well is mm. he does appeal to people who are looking for a thinker's movie, but equally if you've got some 12 year old boys who just want to see a load of blood and guts, they're also just as entertained because that comes at, at decent intervals. So mm. yeah, it's, so it's actually probably not as bad as for a date movie as you might have, as I <laughs> definitely originally thought when you mentioned it. But <laughs> I still think it's a bit of a non-star because <laughs> if nothing else, what you're going to come away from this is like sort of, Oh, do I have to hug you if your fucking ear falls off? <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know. I think it's one that would it questions the bounds of of a uh, of a long term relationship, and it's like, do you know what? If he starts being sick on donuts to digest them and then suck them back up in a really creepy way, do you know what? I'm going to call that a deal breaker. <laughs> you know, it, every other thing can match. Lovely job, you know. Lovely job, nice family, well turned out. He does vomit onto donuts and then sucks it back up, 
And it's like, yeah, that's probably not the one for Christmas, is it? You know, <laughs> don't, don't, don't want to take him home and meet the family. And yeah, not for dinner, certainly. <laughs> no. Although apparently he's quite good because if you um, if you put a pile of shit in the middle of it, he leaves all your dinners alone. Right, that's it. Right, that's it. We're ending it here. That's the end of it. Um, so, <laughs> so to move on to next week's episode, not next week's episode because we're back to fortnightly again, aren't we? Um, I was wondering if I may be so bold as to put a suggestion forward. Mm. Go for it, sir. Um, so I thought we've done... <clears throat> so the, recently we have covered, obviously, black and white films with the original The Fly. Uh, mm -hmm. We've done some 80s goodness with this. Um, we've had some camp. Uh, we've had some body horror and some splatter and gore. So I thought let's take it to a bit of modern, more sort of cerebral horror. Um, I thought, as I know you haven't seen it yet, Adam, this would be a perfect opportunity to watch it. 2020's Gretel and Hansel. Oh, oh yes. Um, yes, I no, you've definitely mentioned this a few times. I did. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great, uh, I thought it'd be great to do in a double bill with The Witch. Mm. Oh, right. It's got that same sort of folk horror, very slow. Um, yeah. The sound is going to absolutely blow Adam's mind. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I, so I saw this, and I only know one other person who saw it, uh, which is Dave. Hi, Dave, if you're listening. Um, he went and watched it on my recommend, and he was Ooh. not a fan. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Um, if I remember correctly, I should probably have checked his quote before we before I wrote it down and suggested we were going to cover it. Uh, I think he said he didn't like it particularly, but he did like the score, if I remember. So, um, okay. okay. Yeah, but we'll go back. Well, you know, he will you, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you um, know me, I'm a, sucker, I'm a sucker for a score. It, yeah, it is. And it's very, like it's... It is folk horror and it is very slow burn, but there's something very stylized and beautiful about the entire thing. Um, yeah, which I was well, I mean, I've, been, by. I've certainly been waiting to see it since you recommended it, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm really up for that. Fantastic. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, in a fortnight's time, we shall all join again. I will try and keep the energy up till then. We'll see. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, know. I don't think that's possible without going through a telepod with a fly, yeah. mate. <laughs> and we've seen it that is. <laughs> and on that note, good night. <laughs> good night. I need to end with the line again. I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man. I'll hurt you if you stay. <laughs>